Hello, it's Lita here from Community Finance Ireland, and welcome to our podcast series. Changemakers are in every community, they're in every city, and they're down every rural road, right across the island of Ireland. This series meets with those amongst us who choose change. Their stories demonstrate what can be done when we work together. And here at Community Finance Ireland, we speak finance, but we hear people. And we really do hope you enjoy listening to them. Good afternoon, uh, listeners. It's Community Finance Ireland's podcast here, and it's Lita. And I'm here today with David Hunter, the Chief Executive of Access Employment Limited. David, you're very welcome from Larn in County Antrim, Northern Thank Ireland. You. How are you today? Thank you. Pretty good. Thank you. Yes, staying busy. Good. And uh, I've been just as we were setting up here for the conversation, David, we were just having a look at the map behind you there in your office, which has all these dots everywhere. And we were thinking, my goodness, what is that about? And actually, it's representative of all the countries in which your company is currently trading with. So a small indigenous Northern Ireland company is trading globally. So our listeners really do need to hear about Access Employment Limited and what it is that you do there. So for, the, for those that may not know you or may not have yet bought any of the stuff that you're selling either online or offline, give us a quick overview of Access Employment Limited. Yeah, well, um, we're a social enterprise company, as you said, we're, um, we've been up and rolling since 1999. So just past our 20, 20 year anniversary there um, recently. So I, I suppose the organization itself was founded um, with a heavy focus on uh, job creation uh, yeah. for people uh, from marginalized communities, and in particular um, from those people who um, have various challenges around disability uh, and mental yeah. ill health. And the amount of people that may potentially be trained in Access Employment Limited since you started, how many have actually gone through the doors? Oh, listen, that calculation is not something really, um, I, I, can, I can give you some figures around, I suppose, our growth over since 2012, yeah. when we, we moved into a new building here. Yeah. In 2012, we, we offered about 26 weekly training placements and we had 13 people employed. Yeah. And now in 2020, we, we offer about 108 training placements weekly. Um, uh, up from 26 and in terms of employment with 50 employees up from yeah 30. I thought that there's a 50 yeah. and is did I did I read somewhere that 59% of the employment is within the county Antrim area so you're keeping yeah. those jobs locally yeah it would be the vast majority is very local and um, whenever Queen's University carried out a report into uh, AEL's impact um, both the social impact and the economic impact locally um, we were able to identify there that we were working with some of the most uh, seriously disadvantaged individuals yeah. from the areas of highest deprivation. So yeah. in many cases, um, it sounds very simplistic, but in some cases, uh, you know, people who others are maybe trying to avoid in the interview process are the people that we're looking out for. People You're looking who, out for. Uh, yeah, okay. that, that, that's the guys that we... So really like. good um, ethos to the business. David, can I ask you, because I know you came from the private sector into the social enterprise yeah. space, and it's not that many people that go from that one group to the other. Um, how did you actually get involved in Access Employment Limited? Well, well it was just really... Um, uh, it's an old story about it because it involves a gentleman who started this social enterprise company back in 1999. He himself was a businessman yeah. and he happened to be an old Sunday school teacher of mine. And um, he had tracked my career in the private sector and the fact that I started up a number of my own businesses. And yeah. he must have been watching quite closely because whenever I sold some of the companies that I had started and uh, 
I had just sold two companies to um, an American company actually that's listed in the New York top 100 mm -hmm. stock exchange. Yeah. And uh, he arrived into my office one day and said, um, what are you doing with your time now? And uh, he said, would you, would, would you be interested in becoming a director for AEL? And I looked, I asked them to bring me down their accounts and their mission statement, yeah. and I had to look into what it was that they were there to do. And uh, I went back to him about a week later and said, yeah, look, I'll, I'll give you three years. So yeah. that was 12 years ago. So, so you're still there. <laughs> What do you think makes it successful? Because you've got a number of pots. Like you have the training center, you have the lunchbox cafe, you've got you know an awful lot of strands within it. Is the diversity of the strands what makes it successful, combined with the value system of the organisation? Or what, in your yeah, view, would you, would you say? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny the different descriptions. Sometimes when visitors have come here for a um, a best practice visit. Uh, some of them say about the diversity, and others saying this is totally random. Um, but because you know we're we're, we're dealing, we have people full time employed in Bombardier Aerospace on the yeah. on the uh, supply chain. We have Clear Water, which is Ireland's only social enterprise bottled water company. Yeah. Um, we have a a very large online business as well, where we bring goods in from the far east into Northern Ireland. And uh, we sell those on eBay and Amazon. So 97% of those sales uh, go outside of Ireland again, which is a huge is percentage uh, in, the export, uh, in the export. So um, I, I think um, it's been our ability really to adapt and to uh, respond to emerging markets. And uh, also, um, you know, in terms of we've had a risk appetite. We we do look at ideas and uh, we, we, we try to work out what works best for the people that we're trying to help in terms of the activities and so on. And if we have a variation of different businesses, that means that people can benefit from a variation of training, which yeah. really helps us. And the fact that it's a live business setting, that is yeah. what's been successful for us at getting people employment outside the organization, because that's what real success looks like for us. Yeah. So we have had in the last two years, 16 people employed by other people, other organizations. And I doubt that they would have had the same opportunity had we not have had live businesses and to train those people in. Train them on. And I also read that you also train your volunteers who are coming in to do those trainings. So listen, the governance around this organization is absolutely massive. Um, right. It's huge, especially around safeguarding. Um, it's, yeah. it's something that we revisit uh, again and again. And it's it's been a real priority for us, and because we've a, because we've got a huge skill base there, um, we're able now to go out to other employers as well. Yeah. Um, we've started um, an employers initiative here where there's a gold, silver, and bronze standard for people yeah. who want to perhaps take people on, and we help them with all the governance arrangements around safeguarding and things like that as well. So excellent, that's excellent. And so you the diversity of what you're doing in Lauren and County Antrim and the fact that you know you've got this global reach where you're selling online offline different things are coming in and out of the of Northern Ireland and the island of Ireland but typically kind of funding that so I mean I would assume that there's certain funding bodies within Northern Ireland and outside that you could reach out to you know for example the Northern Ireland Health and Social Care Trust or possibly the Community Fund in Northern Ireland and I am potentially the European Union Social Fund I mean they would all be avenues of uh, pipeline of cash if you needed it for a project that would fit their criteria I guess. 
Yeah, well, again, we what what we tried to build here is is a non-dependency on on government grant and other other grant funding. Yeah. So, um, we do obviously apply for grants from time to time, mm -hmm. where we we see a particular project mm -hmm. um, that that suits our criteria, as you you have said. Um, over seventy percent of our income comes from our business activities, and the rest would come from. And you've you've mentioned. Um, lottery and uh, the community fund and so on they've been very helpful um, you know when getting certain projects established for example um, to solve a problem uh, we noticed that uh, kids aged 16 17 18 who were attending special schools mm -hmm. were com being completely overlooked uh, in terms of job placements or work experience um, and we gathered a lot of information and presented that back to lottery and I uh, said, look, we run a number of different businesses and what we are prepared to do is operate like an old day release where okay. people can get released from school and school leavers class and they yep. can come and work in our, um, our horticulture or our catering business or our online order fulfillment. Um, and we, we are basically now working with four separate special schools um, Monday through to Thursday um, yep. under the Transitions Programme. We take those kids who are absolutely bursting to get out of that school environment like yeah. like a lot of people that age yeah. but we get the opportunity to come here and get involved in growing up activities and uh teach them all about being here on time health and safety yeah. um uh, and put, put that sort of work ethos you know in early because earlier interventions is absolutely key here if people drop off from special school and they're allowed to fall into the benefits trap then it's twice as hard to get that for them to get back up Earlier interventions would be one of our key learnings over the year and the other key uh, learning that we have is, is a mixed ability workforce so we don't have businesses here just solely for people who happen to be disabled because that yeah. does nothing to break down social barriers. What we have here is a mixed ability workforce where you have able-bodied and people with disability working side by side. And I want to talk to you then, so you talked about Clearer Water as one of the diverse businesses. So Clearer Water is a water production company and you're, you're set up in Macramon where the quarry yeah. is. So this yeah, spring, spring water is bubbling away up there and you yeah. and your team in your usual, let's look for the opportunities. You've spotted this and you said, right, we're going to get this water and we're going to bottle it and we're going to sell it. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's basically it. That's cutting a, a long story short. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of work and effort went into, I suppose, the backstory was the quarry was to become the largest landfill site in Ireland. Right. And there was a lady who owned the ground out there where the spring is based and, and yeah. she fought a planning application to have a landfill site. Right. Um, and uh, she was telling me the story because the, the, she fought the application for planning for 18 years. Yeah. So it was a considerable campaign, but she'd had this spring water monitored um, for about 16 of those 18 years. Oh my goodness. And the mineral content never changed, the pH content never changed. And she had it monitored because she was quite convinced that the local authorities would they could get go ahead for the uh, landfill site. Oh. And her tactic would be that um, she was going to basically um, prove to the authorities that her water source was, had been contaminated from where it was. And right. then she was, well, as it happened, the planning consent got turned down. And as she told me the story one day, she, she touched me on the knee and laughed and said, I even <laughs> told them I was going to be bottling this water someday. <laughs> so, 
uh, I kind of went home uh, and thought about that, and, and we went back and we started talking about it. We says, "Do you think we could boil this water? Do you think we could set this up as a social enterprise and help people and gain employment and so on?" So. Now we're about four years down the line with yeah. 200 active customers in Northern Ireland and some in the South and some in England as well. And so the tipping point when you did it, you decided, I'm actually going to take this water and bottle it and I am going to sell it. Where, where did you go at that point then to get that type of funding? Yeah, so um, we did, uh, originally there was funding uh, for the plant itself uh, and the machinery required. Um, so we did that, that through the Rural Diversity Programme, which yeah. uh, is a, was an EU-funded programme managed by Big Lottery at the time, and uh, yeah. we, we approached them. Um, but as, as, as things went on, and we, we, we realised very quickly that the brand and the ethos behind the brand, because we have this remarkable thing on the brand where we have a trace code on each individual bottle, and that trace code, whenever somebody looks it up on the website or on your phone or in an app, it tells you not just about the mineral content and the pH. But you will the see the person, the employee who's actually worked on the bottle. That's it, yes. So it you can see all the disabled uh, and people that you've put into employment, you can actually see their work. Well, you, you get to hear about the individual responsible yeah, for bottling that bottle that, that morning. And that way the customer gets to find out about the person that they've helped to support yeah. their employment by their decision to buy clearer water as opposed to any of the other brands that, that are out there. Yeah, it's so, such a really um, nice idea. And I, I looked at yeah. a number of those videos on your Facebook page and to yeah. see uh, the young, um, young, and they're all quite young actually, I noticed, uh, working away there and the joy on their face. They're just so delighted to be actually talking about this is my water and yeah. this is my I mean, job and this is my purpose. Yeah, we've nine people employed out there, and of the nine, seven are people who, who have disability. And of those seven, they're all aged about 25 years old. And six of the seven, that was their first job at the age of 25. So, I mean, but these are people who have been written off by society. Yeah. And yeah. yet, with all, here they are in gainful employment. So these are people who were previously costing the system money in terms of uh, support. Um, and now they earn money and they're net contributors. That's a full 180 degree turnaround from costing the system to earning wages, they're paying taxes and they're now contributing to the system. Um, David, can I ask you then um, a little bit about, you know, what kind of investment were you looking for, like the type of numbers to actually get that production up and running? Yeah, yeah so, so about Two to three hundred thousand, you know, right. um, was was the number that we were we were looking at, um, and and we had, as I said, the original grant. We also put um, a reasonable amount of money uh, there uh, in uh, reserves that we had yeah. as well. We we first uh, we we first approached um, community finance Ireland as the business was progressing. We we really took on a lot of customers very quickly the brand started to develop up quite quickly and we noticed that our customer base was largely based in hotels and restaurants high-end um, and uh, the glass product was particularly successful and when you go in bottled water and you move across the glass um, a high proportion of that is carbonated or fizzy yeah. or sparkling or whatever you want to call it so um, we, we had a very limited uh, production capacity in carbonated water. 
we were we had a basically a, a machine that was like four soda streams in a room okay. for anybody that's old yeah. enough to remember soda streams. So that that had a capacity to do about two hundred bottles an hour, and we realised very quickly that if we keep growing the way we're growing here, you know that is just not going to satisfy the demand for the product that we have, and so. We, we, you know, we, we were looking to spend about £80,000 on an automated carbonator. Yeah. Um, we had £40,000 um, that, we, that we had ourselves, um, yeah. and it was a shortfall of £40,000. And that's when we um, first made the approach. Um, and it, it was based on that we would have been holding our business back not to, yeah. uh, not to have made the purchase. And not, so we made the purchase, we got the machine fitted, and it took us from a capacity of 200 bottles an hour up to twelve hundred bottles per hour. Yeah. But right now, right now, we need to go again because okay. we need to get up into the five and six thousand bottles an hour so is where we need to go. more plans for more for more funding. Can I talk to you then a little bit about that? Because what that meant at that time when that funding came in and you knew then that you were able to, as you said, keep the business growing getting it at the point where you know you've got this demand somewhere else and you and that you need that money so that you can just keep growing it well i, I think one of the things that 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 is strongest about it is um obviously when 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 film came down to take a look at what we were talking about and so on um you you understand your own business yourself but when you bring in somebody who's looking at this almost from an independent point of view um you know uh the the approach was was quite old school you know uh we want to find out about you we want to find out about your business the bigger business we want to find out about what you do in terms of your your social impact but it never came across to us at any stage that this was a uh, a business loan I, I got the feeling from the start this was like a joint venture almost and so it was finding out all of those details and there was that element of comfort and hearing that yes look we think that you're um a very um, investable opportunity because you, I mean you, you see that but of course you're, you're keen to because it's your business it's what you've grown yeah you wonder sometimes that you're so internally focused that you've just not yeah. seen the light yeah I get it yeah. and you've won a number of awards I mean I'm not sure that the listeners would understand you know you have won significant awards for your ability to demonstrate what social enterprise can do give us a sense of what you've learned in the 12 years that you take, that you've come out of the private sector into the social enterprise sector, what can you share with people to say, well, look, here's what I've learned and here's some tips. Yeah, look, I think, um, I think as an individual gets a bit older, your priorities change. And yeah. whilst I had a, a successful private sector business and at that time I thought, you know, um, I had things pretty well sussed. If someone was to say to me now at this stage of my life, what was the best five years of your working career? It wasn't in the private sector when I eventually sold some of the business yeah. um, profiles that I had and, 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 and was doing quite well for myself. The best five years of my life is the five years I've spent here at AEL. You know, it's, it's, it's just been, um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily like the cliches about giving back and all that type of thing. It is a very personal thing in terms of, it, of the rewards that this can bring you as an individual and mm -hmm. how you can feel about yourself um, in terms of being, um, or, or, or tagline is helping you, helping us, helping others. Helping each other, uh, yeah. Yeah, and 
there is that idea of working um, under a common purpose. And this is where I think social enterprise has got a really big role to play, bigger than any of us even realise on the island of Ireland. Because once you have people working with a common purpose, in our, in our particular case, disadvantaged and, and people with disabilities mm -hmm. into employment, but all of these other things have maybe affected how this island functions over yeah. the last hundreds of years can disappear under um, a common thread of, uh, of working together within social enterprise to make improvements in people's lives. Because these are issues that um, you know, affect everybody. Um, and they're they're generational very often they're not they're not sorted from one generation to the other and i mean we're having a conversation today in the midst of social distancing and covid and all of the impacts that that's gonna have to everybody um and i think there is a sense that this common purpose about social capital as opposed to just social and yeah. profit that that's becoming a really important thing and well i mean we, we have a big role to play here in the recovery and i think that you know, um, social enterprises can be involved in a big way in that. And really, yeah. something that we've we've brought out of this is anything that you need as an individual or a society to survive. So if you need a, a pen or if you need yeah. a comb, it's okay to bring that out of China. And I'm not uh, saying anything about globalization, but if you need a ventilator or if you need PPE, um, you should be producing that um, within okay. your own islands. And, yeah. And if you were to employ social enterprises for people that were working and producing this and keeping them out of the, the hospital system and away from um, uh, the, uh, the, the dual queues as well, then there's huge savings in that. And I think that, that the, the worth of that has not been correctly appreciated up to now. There's, there's a lot of evidence that it's turning and that government thinking, and I know with uh, um, Andrew Ford in, in Southern Ireland there, yeah. um, very progressive, and you've developed up now your social enterprise strategy, which is a, a four-pillar document, which is incredibly good. Um, and I think now in Northern Ireland, that's what we're pushing for now, is there being yeah. a social enterprise strategy developed for Northern Ireland. Can I ask you then finally for the listeners, David, what would you say to them that they would need um, to be successful? Well, you need a good idea. You know, there's no point. You know, there's no point in going off harebrained, and uh, you know, you've got to test your idea. You've got to ensure that there's a need, that there's a requirement for whatever it is that you're you're trying to do, um, and that you're solving a problem. Because you know, if you don't demonstrate the need, if you're not solving a problem, potentially there's not going to be too many people interested in that. Yeah. The one thing I would say that is is definitely closely related to what we're talking today is. Don't let the thought that you have in your head right now of, I don't have the money to do this. Because if you can establish beyond doubt that there's a need, um, that the idea is good and that there's a need, then there are people that you can approach. Who and can the make money will come. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that's critical that you don't always see the money side of things as the barrier. It has to stack up, it has to be sustainable that the people that are going to either give you or lend you, let them sort that out. And that's what happened when, when we made our approach about the carbonator uh, to take yeah. us from A to B. Okay, David, I want to say thank you very much for your time. I mean, it's so interesting to talk about what you're doing in Larne in County Antrim. And I'm so pleased that you took the time to come and talk to us this afternoon. And I would say to you, continued success. And we'll thank keep you. in touch with you. And we, anybody who wants to buy bottled water, we need to look for your water. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. All right, then. Take care. Awesome. Thank you Thanks so much, so David. 
From our team at Community Finance Ireland, thank you to those volunteers and leaders who spent time sharing their success and determination. We hope you found some useful insights while listening here. Their stories demonstrate that dreamers are always welcome in our communities. You may be a dreamer today, but you too could be the change maker of the future. Be sure to subscribe to this series and tune in to hear our next story coming soon.